You are listening to episode 101 of Stuttering is Cool. I still can't believe that I am in the triple digits now. It's still, it's still a fantastic feeling. My name is Danny and I'm recording from Toronto, Canada as always. And on today's episode, well, we are going to still carry the theme from episode 100. The theme of self-esteem and self-confidence, self-worth, self-image. But first... Back in episode 100, I, I asked you to send in your audio, your perspectives on stuttering's effect on those things. And well, I'm still receiving feedback, so that's great. So let's uh, play, play it. Hello, stuttering is cool listeners. This is Daniel from danspukowski.com and Special Chronicles podcast. Just thought I'd... Uh, let you know a little bit about uh, my uh, stuttering and some of the some of the things that I'm uh, involved with, uh, t- despite my um, s- 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 stuttering. And uh, uh, the first uh, big thing is uh, a uh, public speaker. I'm a uh, global messenger for uh, Special Olympics here in the state of Illinois. And uh, I never would have thought that I would uh, be a um, uh, public uh, s- 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 speaker, but uh, uh, through the encouragement of my mo- my mom, who first uh, came to me with this uh, idea, I uh, I went to a uh, um, t- t- training to um, be able to um, s- s- speak about the Special Olympics. Uh, movement, and uh, and so then I uh, started to get speeches, and the first big speech that I gave uh, was to about 100 high school students, and then uh, since then I've given other speeches to uh, s- small groups, and even I gave one to uh, the uh, Knights of Columbus, and that was to about 800 people, and uh, and. Uh, and all the speeches, uh, the audio from those can be found on the Special Chronicles podcast, which you can find that at dansmikowski.com. And uh, uh, I never would have thought that I uh, would um, would be able to speak or podcast or be a DJ on, on the college radio uh, station, WLPC, The Blaze. Uh, but... Uh, I just tried to uh, post a few, and it's uh, it's uh, even hard when I'm uh, in class in college or uh, even talking with my family. It's hard, as I'm sure uh, you, uh, Dan, and and uh, and and another listeners will uh, can understand that it's it's hard to be able to. Get your words out. Uh, I I find that sometimes I, I have to, to think of an, another word that's e- e- that's easier to say, and and even when when I try to practice some of the, some of the speech t- techniques that I've learned in in my elementary and s- s- secondary education, uh, it's. It's still hard. It, uh, it 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 just it's 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 been with me uh, since 
Satan since I was born. Uh, and I was born three and a third months prematurely, and so I have learning disabilities, and, and part of that is is this stuttering. And uh, so uh, along with the uh, speaking, um, I, uh, as I said, um, I also produce and host this Special Chronicles podcast, uh, which is why I talk a lot about respect uh, for uh, those of us who are different and, and just... Uh, and also show interviews and and and, uh, and uh, um, speeches, and then uh, for the past few, I've been uh, I've been a uh, DJ uh, at uh, at the Student One uh, radio station that uh, that streams online, and the show is called "Are You Inspired?" where I play inspirational Christian music, and also also awful. Um, I read some brief. Meditational reflections by Saint Jose Maria uh, Escriva, and and uh, and on the uh, and on the radio, I do start up, but I, I tr- tr- try not to to uh, let that put me down, or try, try not to worry. I, I I just try to just to, just try to speak, and and there are some moments, uh, uh, as you can tell. It, in this voice uh, feedback that that is uh, clear for me, and and then those other points where this third one uh, is is how to control, and so uh, and perhaps this is a question that that maybe you uh, Danny can can address is how 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 can we c- control all of us? Stuttering, uh, and uh, and I think just w- w- one of the big things is just we just have to accept it, and uh, and I remember with, uh, a couple years ago, a classmate of mine in college was uh, was saying that uh, I had commented on, on my on my stuttering and had just asked, uh, "Do you stutter because you're nervous?" And 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 I said, well, no, I just always stutter. So, uh, so I I I never heard the whole before. So I that that, that was kind of kind of odd. But uh, anyways, I I've been talking for about uh, how many minutes? I don't know how many minutes. Now. Uh, I've been so been t- talking for a while now. So I'll try to uh, try to stop. Uh, uh, but if any of you listeners would like to connect with me on uh, Facebook, I am uh, Podman Dan. That's P O D M A N D A N. Podman Dan. And on Twitter, I'm uh, on Podman Dan as well. Uh, and so you can visit my, my website, which is www.dansmkowski.com. That's D A N S M R O K O W S K I. Dot com. So I uh, look forward to connecting with more people and uh, take care and God bless. Bye. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your uh, thoughts. And what fantastic thoughts. You know, it's amazing when, when you receive all of these f- different perspectives together and it paints such a huge picture 
um, kind of like an encyclopedia of what it feels like uh, to stutter. You know, a great way, you know, to like a great pre-show for the King's Speech. <laughs> now, speaking of feedback, I received fantastic, fantastic feedback from someone who I met uh, this past June at uh, the PAB conference. And I'll, and you'll hear more about the PAB conference later. But first, I want to play this amazing feedback. Hey, Danny, it's Glenn Schmelsley from Ottawa. I have just listened to episode 100. Congrats on making that milestone. I'm a person who makes my living in professionally communicating for people who make various products and services. And I want to say thank you for this window into the world of stutterers. It really is amazing to me. I am inspired, but there's also some very rational and brass tacks kind of things that struck me. I just wanted to give you a few of my impressions. First off, I realize how insensitive some cultural and indeed personal things must be to people who have stuttering seems to me that things like a character like Max Headroom isn't funny once you realize that it is imitating stuttering and on down the line. We're getting better, but I think that those types of social memes do have a way of percolating down to how individuals act, and especially as we grow through adolescence and adulthood, we should be able to help how we react to people who have stuttering. I myself will take some of the ideas that, that were mentioned in the episode and take them to heart and be more empathetic. Eye contact is the big one that I'm going to make sure I work on. I had a friend in grade school. I'm very pleased to say that even though I didn't know any better, I did give him very proper reactions through his stuttering that he had, and it lessened and lessened as we grew up together. And so I'm pleased with the fact that I seem to have, by dead reckoning, already followed some of the advice that your contributors gave in the episode, but I'm going to work harder at making sure that uh, I make sure my kids do it and that others that I know are reacting appropriately, and I'll make sure that I uh, speak out when somebody says a joke that uses stuttering as the punchline. I'm bowled over by the gutsiness of people that have chosen to contribute in a podcast format. Uh, that just bowls me over. We all have different ways that we are good at communicating and not so good. In my own case, I'm a terrible typist. And so I rely on my voice. I rely on uh, even voice dictation software to get my thoughts down into text. I would think that a person who is a stutterer would prefer text and work on making sure that they can type like nobody's business because they might not want to, if they had the choice, communicate verbally. And what amazes me is that you have so many people who have contributed audio files, and that slays me. That's akin to somebody who is learning English as a second language and by their own choice wants to communicate in that second language even when it's harder for them than speaking their first language. So, uh, again, I am I feel really inadequate by how that works. A couple of just general thoughts and uh, things that came out of the podcast that I can't imagine. There are people who have achieved amazing things uh, outside of uh, anything to do with stuttering, listening to several professors that you had on the show. 
And that helps to just put it in perspective for me to know that while this must be a very public condition that people have, that it doesn't make much of a difference to any of the other pursuits that they have. There's a whole lot of things that I'm not good at, and I'm not a stutterer, and there are things that stutterers can do that I can't do. So it, it just helps to put it in perspective. I am amazed that people uh, on your show admitted that they beat themselves up over their stuttering. I can't truly see the world from a stutterer's viewpoint, but to think that they actually hold their stuttering uh, at arm's length from themselves at some point and are angry at that part of themselves, that is a real eye-opener for me. My only small piece of encouragement there is that uh, some of the contributors have instead embraced their stuttering, and I heard one person say that they considered it to be something that they are proud of and that it's a gift, and I think that that's an amazing attitude to have as opposed to holding it out and trying to push at it as something that they are angry at because we can't change color of our eyes, we can't, there's a lot of things we can't change about ourselves, and if it's part of what makes us an individual, like stuttering can, then I applaud the people who embrace that. I also wonder, just out of curiosity, what it must be like for a stutterer to listen to other stutterers. I'm sure that because of the way that percentages play out, most stutterers are surrounded by people in their group that don't stutter. So they're the lone stutterer in the crowd. And so it must be really interesting to go to something like NSA and just see how they are turning into active listeners to each other. On that listening part, I had a amazing epiphany when I heard that the uh, that stutterers sometimes feel that they do have an advantage over the rest of us because the person listening has to listen to them and can't necessarily tune them out the way that I get tuned out when people are listening to me because I'm just prattling on. To know that a person listening must be concentrating and paying attention to what a stutterer is saying and that that very action slows them down enough so that they comprehend more and listen more actively. That's an interesting little advantage that I think uh, some stutterers should be proud of and gosh I wish I had that because my livelihood as I said depends on making sure that people can absorb what I'm trying to say. I'll leave you with one last thought, and it was said by the uh, speech pathologist near the end of your podcast who said that they don't see any relation between the means that they use to speak and the stuttering that comes or doesn't come from time to time, but that they focus completely on the quality of what they have to say. And I think that that's the biggest point of all. And it's uh, inspiring to me to know that there are people who stutter, who can contribute to all sorts of avenues of life with what they have to say. And that's what I'm going to focus on whenever I encounter someone who stutters, is to truly let them get that out because it can be of the highest quality in any field of achievement and that they have absolutely no constraints in that area. Uh, they simply need a tiny bit more time to let that amazing message come out. I'll leave you with that. Thank you ever so much for setting this up and giving people the forum for this and for letting outsiders like me get a glimpse into what it's like to have a stutter. Stuttering is cool. Great work. Keep it up. A huge thanks to Glenn for providing, you know, the non-stutterer's point of view 
about everything that was mentioned in in episode 100. And that got me thinking, I wonder what it's like for non-stutterers, you know, their image, I'm I'm in their perspectives on self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth. You know, when you don't have a speech impediment, you see, we tend, well, we, meaning me, (laughs) um, well, I've met, uh, I've met quite a number of stutterers who, you know, just like me, they say, you know, if only I didn't stutter, I would do that. And I thought, is that true? If you did, if you didn't stutter, would you chat up that blonde? You know, would you, you know, do public speaking? You know, when in, you know, for an even non-stutterers, you know, they're scared about public speaking and all that. Um, so I interviewed three people, three non-stutterers who I considered to be very, very confident and uh, to get their perspectives. But first, I would like to answer Glenn's question about, you know, when stutterers hear other stutterers speak. Now, I can't um, speak for other stutterers, but for myself, I can tell you two things. The first, uh, the first ever that I met another stutterer, it was kind of like life telling me, well, now you know what it's like for other people when they're listening to you stutter, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like um, my whole life, I was always complaining, how come I get the look? How come, you know, people feel uncomfortable? I wish, you know, they they would just know that, you know, I'm, you know, not someone that you should just ignore or, you know, you know someone that you should get to know. You know, I'm a smart person. I have, you know, I'm fun to be with and all that. So, you know, hearing, you know, being on the receiving end of stuttering, it's like, oh, what do I do? You know, I found myself thinking that. Do I maintain eye contact? <laughs> you know, um, but now it's just fantastic to meet another stutterer. It's 100%. It just feels great to, you know, meet someone with the same experiences as me. And that's stuttering. Well, obvi- <laughs> well obviously. And it's and it feels like, and this is the item number two, that the world is a better place. This is the way the world was supposed to be uh, growing up. So for me, it's great to meet other stutterers, to hear other stutterers stuttering, and and to talk about, share each other's uh, experiences, and also m- mentoring each other. You know, um, everyone is at is at a different stage in their journey. Uh, different perspectives about stuttering. Uh, you know, some prefer to hide it. Some don't have the confidence. So you know, I all I always I always feel good when I can when I find out that I've motivated someone to try it, to try something out of their comfort zone. And I'm equally motivated when I hear another stutterer tell me about their experience um, outside of their comfort zones because. I still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> okay, so now on to the whole fluent, uh, the whole fluenter experience. I'm speaking with some friends of mine in the podcasting community. Um, over, over Skype, I have I have Bob Goyach who uh, hails from Montreal. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's so obedient. <laughs> Where's and, my cookie? Uh, 
Our dog yeah. taught him that. <laughs> and that voice that you just heard is uh, is Mark Blavis, who hails from Ardua. I didn't need to be prompted. But you talked on top of the host. I'm very sorry. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that lately. And and uh, the woman's voice is his wife, Andrea Ross. Hi. And I really wish that I remembered to uh, also introduce your podcast. Okay, Andrea Ross of the Just of the Just One More Book podcast. Oh, actually, did you want me to okay. say that? It doesn't matter. Is well, it, it, it kind of it surfaced for air for a few minutes last week, so you know it's that's the podcasting context. It, it, as far as CanadaPodcast.ca is concerned, it's a current podcast now. Perfect. <laughs> Plugs. <laughs> the reason that I asked uh, these these uh, three lovely people on to my show is because um, following up from episode one hundred, where I talk about stuttering's effects, actually I and twenty other people talk about stuttering's effect on one's self-esteem, self-confidence, self-image, self-worth. I started I started thinking about all the times that I would admire people that have such amazing level of confidence. So without them, Canada wouldn't really have a podcasting scene, I think, or podcast comedic community and they put on the PAB conference that I uh, talk about uh, pretty often on my show. I wanted to get their opinions on the non-stutterers um, experiences of issues with self-confidence um, and uh, and um, Andrea is someone who I've always spoken to at at the conference that doesn't sound right <laughs> uh, to the pub conference who's who uh, I remember speaking once uh, you were mentioning that uh, that you arc has all the confidence and you know you wish that you had uh, you know the same level and then there you were this past uh, pub conference in June giving what I consider to be the greatest session ever uh, in the history of a pub so I wanted to talk uh, talk a bit about your experiences uh, with, with with that, and all this comes from how it's very common for stutterers to believe if I did not stutter, I would be able to do blank, and that blank could be public speaking or chat up girls in a bar, etc., etc. So, <sighs> welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> It's great to be here. Yeah, oh, thanks. right. Uh, Mark you. and Bob have a podcast called the Can the Canadian Podcast Buffet. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. You can edit it in or out or whatever, sure. but just just as a starting point, sure. because I had an experience. Um, you know, okay, when Mark and I got together, I kind of thought that it was going to, you know, I would become more like him, right? And then what actually happens is, you. Uh, he, you play to your strengths kind of thing and you become more polarized, right? So that I would do everything behind the scenes and I would be the one to come up with all the nice gestures to do for people. But I would, you know, Mark would actually execute the things or at least Mark would be the one to do, to be out there enough that even when I did really nice things or thought of things or initiated things, it would, everybody would always just assume it was Mark, right? So, you know, uh, I was trapped in this, you know, not only did I want to do these things like, and it's not just a matter of speaking publicly, it's a ma even when I speak 
you know, privately to one person that I'm not comfortable with or a couple people, you know, at work or whatever. But it goes beyond that to uh, just social situations just scare me so much. And I we, we had this really interesting experience when I was, we were um, in Quebec and we stopped at a, uh, a little cafe and we were waiting. We were just, we weren't, I'm... We were just kind of in rural Quebec, so all we wanted to do was find a place where we could have a coffee. And really, you know, I thought like that. that I had enough French to do that, right? But uh, apparently, I didn't because I was saying all the words, but nobody was understanding me. And we we went to the we finally did find a coffee shop, and I couldn't. It was just I had so much joy just to see Mark in a situation where. He could not be rescued by his social skills. So you could just see him squirming and writhing and like smiling and looking really like he felt really stupid, you know, trapped. There he was with all his good intentions and all his good ideas and all his good social skills even and everything all bottled and, and trapped because he couldn't pull it off. You know, he couldn't, he didn't know the language, right? And for me, it was really, really valuable because I just felt, I said, you know what, guess, guess what, Mark? That's how I feel all the time. I have all these ideas. I have all these good intentions. I, ha- I care about people and I want to be friendly with people. But I just, I'm bought, like, I, there's just something, right? I can't just walk up to people and hug them, like, no matter how much I like them, you know? And, um, and I just thought it was a really nice little, little snippet of my life for Mark to have and a snippet of, you know... Uh, I like. I guess I get a little bit of joy at his scene. It's funny because I remember that situation very well, and 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 it's it, painful for you, right? It was totally painful, and it was funny because it. it, it I mean, confidence definitely comes into play. I'm not going to deny that, and, and I'll talk a bit more about confidence in a moment. But the the other thing is there was a lot of shame in it because it, 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 this kind of goes a little bit beyond the confidence thing. But to me, as, as a Canadian, especially a Trudeau Canadian, yeah. I kind of felt like. I have an embarrassment that I can't function in both official languages. Like even, you know, um, I knew the words. Yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't get them out. And so like, I remember I, I was trying to, what was it? Like I was ordering the stuff and it was like so obvious. I was going, she's asking if you want the soup. It's like, <laughs> I was like, I was like completely. I know, but the, my point is that's how I feel yeah. all the time. And the funny thing was even like we sat at the table, we, we went through this whole painful experience and when we go, when we went up to the cash to pay, I could just see you going into your mode again, like, oh, like, now I'm gonna. I was doing hand gestures. No, but like, when you went up to the cash, I was, it was like, oh, now he's gonna just like make light of this whole thing. Now he's gonna just like smile and have this great interaction with this person. But there, once again, it was the same thing. There was that barrier, and you couldn't. So you know, and I. I Thank God nobody there knew who I was. No, that but, been but even that's the point is, everywhere I go, people know who I am, yeah. and I'm trapped like that all the time. And people just think, you know, you're stuck up, or they think you've got nothing to say, you've got no ideas, or or whatever. And it's not, it's, I'm trapped. And what am I trapped by? I'm just trapped by my own fear, you know? And it's so big that when I go to speak, I can't even think. You know, and I can't even remember what's going on. And when when the words are coming out of my mouth and I'm looking at the person, it could just be one person, and the words are coming out of my mouth, and it feels like I'm a magician pulling these scarves, and they just keep coming and coming and coming, and I'm looking at the person, and they're looking at me, and I'm thinking, do these words make any sense to them? Because they're, they're not making any sense to me, and I, they're still coming out of me. 
How come? Why do I have those fears? I I just lack confidence, I guess. Okay. And I I have a huge I fear I fear failure. I fear I fear um pretense, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, there's just like a whole whack of fears and they don't make any sense really cuz you look yeah. way stupider when you stand up there like an idiot and whatever's coming to your out of your mouth because you're not thinking because you're just blacking out, you know. But for some reason uh part of my brain just shuts down and yeah it, it's, and there is someone that I work with right now who you know he's um he's in a wheelchair and he uh it, you can tell how difficult it is for him to speak you know he I I think he's got muscle you know all around his whole body he has these mus- muscle things and it's it's just tiring just to listen to him talk, not that he speaks slowly or anything or whatever, but you can just tell how much work mm-hmm. it is. And, and we also have to work hard to understand. And, and he just speaks so well, you know, and he, you know, and I just think, Andrea, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a question a friend of mine asked me, he said, did the self-confidence issue come before or after this stuttering? And I wasn't able to answer that. So I can totally relate to that, even without the stuttering. We're, we're going to take a break right now and hear from other friends uh, in the podcasting community. Up first is Daryl Cognito of AtomicSuburbia.com. Hey, sir. You wanted some thoughts on stuttering from the standpoint, I guess, of a non-stutterer. And... It's interesting. One of the things that that I've noticed, and I noticed it with you the first time I met you as well, people who tell me that they're stutterers, I'm often quite surprised by, usually because they're not stuttering at the time, uh, or they've they've corrected it over years, but I I don't necessarily notice it when, when people stutter. And I think that's mostly because I'm a narcissist and live inside my own head. But I do remember as a child, I had an uncle who stuttered uh, quite severely, but that was just the way he talked. It wasn't unusual. I I don't remember having a name for it. I don't remember questioning it. It was just something that was there. So I guess uh, in adulthood, when I see people or hear people stutter, uh, again, I don't really, really notice it. Uh, Now, I don't know if that's because... Uh, as I said, I'm a narcissist, or if it's because uh, being around a family member who stuttered, it just became uh, something you get used to. Uh, anyways, those are just my thoughts. Hope it helps, and have a great show. Talk to you later. So how so how were you able to get up on stage and give that session at PAB in June? Well, that, I, well, right up to the very last second, I wasn't sure if I would. <laughs> Yeah, like many, many times I uh, decided not to. And um, I, you know, I had a very big look at mortality over the last year. And I kind of just pushed myself to do it. But um, but I also, um, well, it was a friendly crowd, of course. 
and I I memorized. Okay, this is the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, we talk about uh, the mystery of not being able to speak. You know, that that thing that I did at PAB, I wrote it and then I memorized it, right? Like that wasn't just speaking off the cuff, obviously. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I wrote it and I memorized it. That's the only way I could do it. And the funny thing is, when I wrote it, I just wrote it, you know? And I just think that's the same brain, you know? It's the same brain. Why couldn't I just say it, you know? Why why can't I speak that way when I can write, you know? And I find it so funny when I see people, I've worked with so many people who can write but not, or speak but not write, and I can write but not speak. And it's, that's English, it's, it's, you know, formulating thoughts, it's all the same stuff. What is it, right? But it's got to be performance anxiety, I guess. So anyway, the only reason I was able to do that PAB thing was because I uh, memorized it. And I practiced it every day when I walked to radiation and back. I just recited, first of all, I, uh, I put it on, I, I read it to myself and I put it on my iPhone and as I was, would walk to radiation and back, I would listen to it over and over and over again. And I would practice it over and over and over again. I did that for like three months. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I've been practicing this interview we're having right now. I've been practicing this for really? four months. No. Yeah, we, we, we actually have like a book of questions that you might have asked. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and we're spot on so far. This is fantastic. No, but I did. I did. That's the only way I was able to do that. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That's the only way I was able to do that talk was because I um I memorized it. And and still afterwards when I watched when I watched the video I just wanted to like barf because I I was so angry with my oh. with myself afterwards, but how come? Um, I guess I'm very hard on myself. But anyway, so enough about me. <laughs> Ark and Bob, you guys put yourselves out there in uh, organizing uh, the PAB conference and also um, Bob with the PodCamp Montreal and a bit of PodCamp Ottawa too, Mark, and the Creator Camp. Is there anything you guys don't do? Well, I can <laughs> make money at this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, um, yeah, if you have any thoughts to share about... You know, I, you were saying, like, you know, the... the the, the stuttering come first uh, or, or, or after. And um, I've, in, in last several years, I've, I've had really huge self-confidence issues. And one of the ways, um, it, you know, you know the, the usual, you know, things happen because of that, right? You, you end up being a procrastinator, you end up being a perfectionist, you end up, um, you end up, you know, so, you know, you look at a project or you look at something and instead of saying, how can this happen? The first thing you say is, no, this can't happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so for me, I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't a, like a, a crippling thing, but it was definitely um, to get from zero to one in any, you know, series of steps. That w- w- was the, the hardest step for me was that one. Uh, you know, they said, uh, you know, every journey begins with the first step. Well, yeah, I can't do that step. And I, I always had, you know, the, the problem with that. And I'm realizing now, you know, Finally, in my 40s, um, that you know, it's okay if you don't have that part, you know. Uh, and so I know that I'm a great finisher. I know that I'm a great, um, um, you know, if, if things are moving, I know that I can I can ramp things up a notch. I, everybody brings certain things to the table to the to every table to existence. We're not all we're not all wired the same. Um, 
one of the ways that I've found is to surround myself where I can with people who are good at that part and will prime the pump and then off I go. And uh, that's helped me a lot with my self-confidence because, what you know, I guess by avoidance. So therapists listening to this are going to say, well, forget it. This guy's dead. But really what happens is, is that, uh, you know, I'm all for self-improvement and I'm all for, for, for making yourself better. But at a certain point is you can end up stuck on something and you're just not wired that way. And if you end up, you know, there's, there's, there's some people who can sing like angels, but because they can't dance, they're not in front of people. So we can, wait a minute, you don't have to be able to dance to sing well. You don't have to be able to, you know, there, you can't be everything. And I think that that's where the self-confidence thing ends up being a killer because the images that were portrayed, that we see of people day in, day out on TV and radio and on you know, the media, and wow, they can do everything. No, they can't. But they've learned to, to hide the, per, the part that they can't do as well. And, um, and it took me a long time to realize that. And I think that if you, you play off your strengths, that's a great way to build self-confidence because you end up knowing that you can do it. It's one thing to realize what your shortcomings are and to play your strengths and all that. But what frustrates me is, you know, I'm afraid to do things that I, that I can do, right? I can speak. I have ideas. I have, you know, I, I, and I can speak under the exact right conditions. But I'm like that frog on Bugs Bunny, you know? Like I can sing in private, but, but when it really matters, I can't. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing, like playing to your strengths is fine, but I, I am a strong communicator when I'm, when I have, when I can get rid of the fear, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the part that I find frustrating. But, but you see, I, I, I listened to Andrew and I, I think you kind of touched on it before though, like when you're talking about your pap talk, you wrote it down. You're, you're a great uh, written communicator. But it's the same brain it's and I can, and I can communicate with my mouth under some conditions. So, you know, why can't I do it when it matters? It's, you know, what's that fear? About? And, you know, like when I, when I go to PAB or I go here or there, or even when I have to speak at work just to say anything, I, my body is just vibrating like crazy. And I'm wondering who can see this, you know, my heart's racing and I, it's just insane. Even though these are that? co-workers, even though these are co-workers that you speak with. Even though this is like PAB and they're all friends yeah. and who cares, right? And it's... Baby steps. You just it, need baby steps. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I just find it, like, it's a mystery to me. Yeah. But obviously, you know, it's not the worst thing on earth, but it's just, no. it, it's just interesting. now hear from previous Stuttering is Cool guest, Tim Coyne of HollywoodPodcast.com. I can pinpoint a specific moment when I found my voice. Literally. I was 25 years old. I was living in New Hampshire at a boarding school, teaching sex ed and taking care of athletic injuries. My life up to this point was nothing but sports, really. I don't know why, really. That's just the way it went. 
I had two brothers. Both of them were musicians. My father was a musician. Somehow I was labeled the, the uncreative one. But here I was in New Hampshire, and the school I was working at decided to put on a production of the musical The Secret Garden, and auditions were open to students, faculty, and community. So I decided to audition. Now, this is a big deal. I was 25 years old. I'd been wanting to do something like this for as long as I could remember. And I, I just didn't. I, I didn't have the confidence to do it. And I, I don't know where I got the confidence then. Maybe it was the fact that I was in the middle of New Hampshire and I could kind of secretly do this, right? Well, I walked into that auditorium. They called out my name. I walked in. The director's about 25 rows back. There's a piano up on the stage. I walk up on the stage. The spotlights are on me. I hand the the pianist music, and I sing 16 bars of a song from The Secret Garden. I stop. I kind of squint out into the lights, out to the director. And she says, Tim, you can sing. That was the moment. I mean, really, that moment changed my entire life. I did that. I, I was the lead in that musical, The Secret Garden. I went on to do other local community productions. I did productions that summer up in New Hampshire and Vermont, and then I quit my job. And I moved to Los Angeles to pursue an acting career. I was scared that day, that moment. And I'm pretty much scared of, not pretty much, let me change that. I'm scared of everything I do out here. I'm scared for every audition. I'm scared every time I have to speak out loud. I was scared at the group interview I had for a part-time job at Starbucks. I just got. I'm scared all the time. I got a text message from a friend a week ago asking me to open for her at the comedy store, the world famous comedy store, a place that every famous comic you can name has performed in this place. It's the place to perform. And I lied to her and said I was unavailable. I'm scared a lot, and sometimes I lose, sometimes I run and hide. I guess maybe it's just those times when I, when I overcome it, when I beat it, that makes it worth it, worth putting myself out there. The seeds will grow, the flowers bloom, their beauty, just the thing she needs. She'll grow to love the tender roses, lilies fair, the iris tall. See, I'll, I'll let you in on a bit of a secret, and that is that my confidence is probably not as strong as, as it would appear. There's a lot of times that 
you know, or even as I say something or do something that, that's something that I'm very comfortable with. It might be my field of work or my passion or my hobby. Uh, and, and still, as the words come out of my mouth, I'm thinking, who's saying that? Why are, you know, it, and it, 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 and sometimes it almost seems like I've shut off and then the, these words are happening. And then you think to yourself, how can I pull those words back in? You know, how do I, because I really do get this panic mode sometimes with stuff that I say. Um, so there, you know, there, there is a bit, I don't know, it, it is a bit of a put on that my confidence, but it's not something that I necessarily consciously do. I think it's something that's just kind of been built in over years of, of doing it. And I think, Part of it came out of necessity, and part of it is that um, I think I, I try to do things that I think need to be done, either by other people or to prove to myself that it can be done. So in, in a lot of cases, um, like with Creator Camp, nobody was, was taking the bull by the horns, and I thought it was a brilliant idea, and I thought I would do it. But I, in, in a lot of my stuff, I do it my way. I, I just figure... If people are going to criticize me anyways, I'm going to do it to satisfy myself. So my podcasting, you know, when I started Electric Sky, it was, it, it, and to, uh, to Christopher Griffin's point last night, he, he does it to serve his own interests. He does it to serve his own needs. And that's not being selfish. It's, it's giving you something so that you'll actually get some satisfaction and you'll have something to, to strive and achieve. Um, but in the end, it becomes more authentic and people actually buy into it a little bit more. And I think that's worked well for me. But I, I do, you know, I do worry that there are times like when interviews I've been on um, or even doing some of the shows with the, on the buffet where, where he might have had a guest on. And I, and I thought, well, I'm, just, I'm really not as prepared as, as I could be. And so I just put on this, you know, I, I amp up the confidence. Sometimes I wonder actually if there's like this little filter in my brain that goes, okay, you can have confidence, you don't have confidence, but we're just going to shut things off here and things are just going to happen on their own. And if you we'll can bottle that, off. Yeah. you yeah. make a lot of money. <laughs> <Sell> <laughs> so I'm going to monetize my confidence. Well, you know what? That made me realize exactly what the difference is between me and you, right? And that is that you don't take things personally. And if somebody insults you or says something mean to you or nasty or judges you or even looks at you like they're judging you, like you are oblivious, right? You couldn't care less. Even if I tell you, didn't you see what that person did to you? Didn't you see what that person said to you? Blah, blah, blah. You don't care. And I think that was probably a defense mechanism that I built. Yeah, but I wish I had it because I, that's why, that's the reason, uh, Danielle, that's the reason that I can't speak. It's not just, fear of whatever it's because judgment criticism and judgment and the slightest little the slightest little bit of of you know sideways looking at me and i i feel it to my core and i can't get it off me and people can give me a million compliments but it's the the insult or the the hurt that sticks into me and just eats me away do you know what i think it is I think it's, I'm the only person here who had a Jewish mother and, you know, just getting shot down, getting those, those looks, you just eventually just kind of go, well, if I'm going to get the looks anyways, I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, because my upbringing was pretty darn <laughs> I didn't say it was any better. Um, no, I, I like an uh, Italian upbringing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Like, I had the Jewish mother, but I would think maybe Jesus' problem was bad. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I, I think. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the youngest of three, and my next oldest sibling is six years older than I am. So there, to a certain degree, there were elements of me being separated from from my sisters because they were that much older than me. But they were mean to you. But no, but I, I'm getting there. Uh, but uh, be, being the younger brother and being so much younger also meant that I, I think I had my feelings stomped on a fair bit as a kid. Yeah, I'm not, I I'm not, you're right. Yeah. That's right. And you did your big favor. They, uh, and yeah, exactly. And I think I mean, you know, in the end, maybe I owe a debt of gratitude oh. that I can just, you know, that that I I, you know, I probably internalized a lot, of that, a lot of that stuff and and found my way through life by you know subverting all of that or shoving all that stuff aside. But I think it also kind of, it equipped me to satisfy my own curiosity, satisfy my own interests and uh, maybe ignore, shut out those looks. Maybe that's why if people look at me, you know, sideways and, and, I, and Andrew goes, didn't you see the way they reacted to you? And I think a lot of the times I don't. And it's just because I'm just, I oh, just kind of, I'm happy whatever. to hear it. Like, you really don't yeah, care. Exactly. You could care less, and it's not in a mean way. But, just I, like, but I think it's just it because I'm... nothing to you. Yeah, because I think at that point, I'm I'm serving my own purpose. It's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, well, I, I did my own thing. Too. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm, I'm not saying that... that you know, I'd love yeah. to do that. So I think that, you know, that if there there is a, a soft inner side to me that does get its feelings crushed every now and then. Um, I have to work real hard to do it though. <laughs> And, and I am humbled a lot of the times um, being with the people who I am. Like I, I, I'm, ama- I'm amazingly humbled being with Andrea. I'm amazingly humbled having friends like Bob, um, LeDrew, and <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and I think that I've also surrounded myself with people that that I can get that. It's not like people are like Bob or walking around going, good job, Mark. Way to go. Keep going. You go, guy. But I think just being around Bob, the type of energy that he is, the type of ideas he has, the type of enthusiasm and the way I, you know, and and I can get him motivated and he get me motivated. I think I've just, I've gotten better at surrounding myself with the people that kind of feed that need for me to, to feel good about myself. Uh, and I'm not saying that other people have gone out of their way to surround themselves with bad people. It's just I think that, you know, the combination of all these little things of being shot down when I was a kid and then um, taking a different approach in adulthood and really going out to serve my own interests and, and not worrying maybe about the external forces so much have kind of made me seem more confident than I am. But there, there, there's a big link, right, I guess, between safety and self-confidence, right? If you're in a situation where you think you might be vulnerable... For sure, that's where your self-confidence is going to come into play, right? Um, if if you're not in a safe, or your you know your your life history is is a pattern of not being in a safe place, um, then you can't really instinctively react as a person who is in a safe place. You know, like yeah. it's, it's like you were saying about about Pat Andrew. You know, that that's a pretty safe place. That's a very supportive group. Um, you know, as long as you don't go up on stage and and you know hurt penguins or, you know, set things on fire, they're pretty good. They're going to accept what it is you have to say. And if you have something that's great, that, you know, that's even better, but, uh, you know, that, that there's a safety there. And, um, maybe that's, you know, I know for me, I, I, I definitely perform better in an environment like that safe where, where it's, I don't feel threatened mm-hmm. and, uh, and the self-confidence, 
you know, I, I, I people alone tend to be more self-confident because there's nobody, you know, there's not that fear of judgment or whatever, it's whatever issues you have internally. But uh, that that safety, with you know, the the reaction from outside people, I think that's a huge thing for self-confidence. I think there's also there's there's a part of me that when I do the activities I do, I have this little internal cheering section that kind of says it's okay whatever you're doing, you know. That's okay, Levis, that your pants just fell down. You just keep going, you know. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that I, I, there's this little part of me, and I think that might be why I don't notice people doing you know, their, their reactions or what they're saying about me. Is that there's this little cheering section I have going in the background going, go, Levis, go. go Blevis, no, go. It's, and, because and, you're, it's because you're a foot taller than everybody else. And <laughs> maybe, you don't see their reactions. Yeah, the light doesn't go upwards. <laughs> So you just see hair. It's like, oh yeah, the hair is not reacting badly to what I'm doing, so I must be okay. You know, in the stratosphere in which I exist, it's you know, there's there's so much darkness that the light just doesn't travel. <laughs> so I, I just I have no sense what's going on around me, which is probably explains why I walk into walls and stuff too. Thank you to Tim Coyne and Daryl Cognito and Mark and Bob and Andrea for coming on to my show and thank you also to Glenn and to Daniel uh, for your wonderful feed- feedback Stuttering is Cool is an open mic podcast so that means I encourage you to send in your audio which, which I will play on the air in my next episode before I go I just want to share with you something exciting that happened to me recently I was interviewed on Canada's pub, public, <laughs> public, <laughs> public broadcasters, CBC Television, for their news program, their their major news program, and um, it was me and along with two two members of the Canadian Stuttering Association, Jan Peel, who who has been a guest on my show in a recent episode, and Norm McEwen, who is a board member of, of the CSA. And we were all interviewed to talk about stuttering and our experiences, the myths about stuttering, and as well as the King's Speech and my, my uh, podcast. And uh, unfortunately, I cannot play the audio from the news uh, segment. However, in the show notes, I will place... Uh, the link to the CBC website that where they posted the video so you could see the three of us uh, talking about these things and uh, me having a blast <laughs> uh, being uh, interviewed. And though I was nervous, uh, I did manage to come across calm and, you know, not nervous. But I also credit that to the producer slash uh, interviewer and the videographer. They were very nice people and they totally got the stuttering experience. It was fantastic. And the producer did a wonderful job at taking um, three hours, like what I assume is three hours of footage. My footage, I was I was recording for about an hour, so I'm assuming the other guys did. So hours of, f- of uh, footage, um, including scenes from the movie. And to shrink it down into three minutes, she did a fantastic job. And she really told the story well, the stuttering story. So I highly recommend watching it. You know, at the very least, you could see what I look like. <laughs> and I want, and I know this episode's pretty long already, but I just wanted to uh, uh, just throw in the fact that I was watching myself on video. And this I haven't done in a very long time. 
So despite having, you know, a hundred episodes <laughs> of my podcast and, you know, having grown accustomed to hearing my voice, video was another story. And I've always heard what a benefit it is for stutterers to see themselves on video. It's a great way to catch your secondaries and to see how you look when you speak. And by that, I mean with your secondaries and you can end up controlling your secondaries because you will remember, oh, right, because I'll be looking away and I didn't like the way that that looks. So it'll force you to not look away. And I'm finding that now that I'm not looking away a lot (laughs) because of the video. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend the video route. Maybe not do it on national TV as a first timer (laughs) like I did, but it's all it's all great. So until then, um, happy holidays and thank you for subscribing. Thank you for staying subscribed. Uh, Thank you for listening. And if you're not subscribed, please do subscribe. You can also subscribe in iTunes. And if you are subscribed in iTunes, uh, please consider leaving a review. I won't be posting a podcast until after after Christmas time. So until then, oh, wait a second. One more thing I was mentioned on just a Catholic dad. Speaking of uh, Christmas, or rather the religious Christmas, the reason for the season, as uh, people say, there's a podcast that I've recently picked up. Um, hilarious host. It's called Just a Catholic Dad. Justacatholicdad.com. Funny, funny guy. It's from. He's from England somewhere. I forget where. But yeah, he uh, mentioned my show. I'm just tickled. Last week, I may have mentioned Stuttering is Cool, the podcast by Danny Rossi. Uh, It was brilliant. I listened to this week's and he had a lady on, a guest on called Sarah Bryant. And they had a really good conversation about telephone conversation, how to deal with that, how you deal with that when you have a stutter and a stammer and coping techniques. Brilliant. Really brilliant. You should go and have a listen to that. Stuttering is Cool, it's called. So pop along. Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. If not, happy holidays. Too many holidays to mention. I love this time of year. It's amazing. So until then, uh, happy holidays.